Hello and welcome to Heroes 101, the Nexus Raiders podcast for competitive strategies and in-depth analysis for Heroes of the Storm. I'm Commander Chu, Commander Chu and joined here with me today is Hyro Splifix. Hi everyone, I'm Hyro, Nick Barnhart's uh, community member here at the Nexus Raiders, and we're here to talk about one of my all-time favorite heroes, Kael'thas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but before we do that, just want to give a quick shout out to our top patrons, which are Bradley Falk, Eric Talent Jr., Nick Barnhart here, uh, Michael Milia, myself, and Sean Gallagher. And, you know, the rest of our patrons for making this coaching series possible. You're all the absolute best. And just be sure to check patreon.com slash Nexus Raiders for the full video of this session because you guys all get it for free because y'all are all patrons. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's get sweet. into it. Uh, Barnhart's going to be uh, taking the lead on this Heroes 101 session. So what about KT? Kale Thos. What an iconic Blizzard character in general. I uh, remember when he was released with the Frozen Throne expansion for Warcraft 3. He is the uh, senior member of the Kirin Tor, Prince of the Quel'Thalas, uh, last of the Sunstrider dynasty for those wildheads out there. Just a little shout out. I, lore-wise, I got a soft spot for, for Kael'thas myself. But as a hero in the Nexus, uh, love Kael'thas. Uh, he was the blood mage in... Warcraft Frozen Throne, and he is a mage out for blood in the Nexus. And I uh, love to play him. Uh, a lot of strengths. Uh, very impactful hero. Can make or break a team for sure. And uh, yeah, looking forward to breaking him down today. Sweet. All right, well, why don't we go over his trait, uh, how that works, and then we can talk about his abilities, talents, and heroic options. Then we'll get into more in-depth type of stuff after that. Yeah, well, you can't talk about Kael'thas, obviously, without talking about his trait or his passive. Now, for most people, that's obviously the D hotkey. Uh, so important to know that, essentially, uh, rather than have like a passive ability or an upgrade like a lot of heroes have, Kael'thas has the ability to activate what's called Verdant Spheres. That'll be his trait. And what Verdant Spheres does, essentially, is uh, it magnifies the next one of his basic abilities that you cast. And Verdant Spheres has its own cooldown, and so you can imagine um, the whole new set of strategy and depth to a hero that already has an impactful kit, even without his trait in general. And so just jumping into a brief overview of the kit, uh, Flame Strike is his Q. It's a, it's a castable ranged AoE uh, like fire bl- blast, so to speak, after a slight delay. And it's important to know the enemy can see it before it explodes. So um, them to know they can obviously dodge it if they're uh, waiting for it. Um, now, and his W is a pretty interesting move. Uh, chain bomb or living bomb. I'm bringing them up right now. We so, call it chain uh, bomb because we played Kael'thas back in the day. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so it's actually called a living bomb, right? And so what it does is it's a targetable spell. You cast it on an enemy, but important to note also that, um, living bomb has a lower range than, for instance, his flame strike. So, you know, uh, oftentimes you'll want to throw that on like heroes or I mean on tanks, so to speak, obviously you put it on heroes or creeps if you're clearing minion waves. I, uh, but, um, so the bomb ticks for three seconds, and then each ticket does damage, and then finally it blows up. And if there's enemy heroes nearby, the bomb actually spreads to them. And uh, that's a pretty unique uh, ability. And if you have a team that's heavy with crowd control, you can get a lot of utility uh, out of that. So uh, his last move, uh, 
other than heroics, obviously, is called Gravity Lapse. It's a skill shot that uh, obviously goes in a line and it will stun um, the first enemy hero that it, or even minion that it hits, lift them up in the air. And uh, Kel'Thas doesn't have mobility because of this. As a mage, you'll either have hard CC like that or you'll have a mobility. And so that's essentially his kit. And as a Kel'Thas player, you're doing a combination of throwing out living bombs on targets in range and trying to land some big uh, flame strikes on the opposing team. <sighs> so that said, um, Oftentimes, people build KT pretty straightforward. They go with the straight Q build. Now, that comes with a little bit of danger uh, at the talent uh, tier one. Uh, Convection is the most commonly picked talent, uh, and that is a quest for hitting enemy heroes with your Flame Strike. You have to hit 20, and each for each enemy hero you hit with Flame Strike, it increases the damage. And then at 20, at 20 shots, um, just to make sure I have the exact number here, at, at 20 shots, you get an increase of... 100 um, damage on top of the five damage per people hit up to that point, right? So there's 100 damage uh, leading up to that, and then you get an additional 100 damage. So it's an increase of 200 damage. And the thing to note on Convection, unlike a lot of quest talents for mini heroes, is if you die, you lose your stacks. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times you'll see Kalafos is playing with a team that either has a lot of people that can protect him, or if he doesn't, uh, you'll find that. You may have a nice five on five, but your Kalefoss is playing incredibly passively, and it may, he may not have as big of an impact early because he's trying to get those convection stacks. Something to note also, uh, I don't really go Fell Infusion, which is his second talent. I don't think it's that powerful. It gives you a brief spell power bonus on your next ability when you activate your trait, and it gives you a bit of a heal. Now, maybe if you're doing quick match and there's no healer and you think you can get some value out of that, go for it. But more often than not, you'll run Convection. And if you're running into an enemy team that has like a Tracer, Illidan, just blow up your Kael'thas, no matter how much your team tries, they're going to get you as Kael'thas. Uh, I like to run Mana Addict. It's a, just a regen globe gathering uh, quest talent. And once you get um, 20 globes, you get to activate what's called Arcane Barrier and gain a shield equal to 100% of your maximum mana for four seconds. Uh, important to note that grabbing each globe up to that point is increasing your maximum mana pool. So by the time you get it, and as you continue to play the game and gather globes, your mana pool is getting larger and larger, and that shield is becoming more uh, yeah, obviously stronger. Uh, jumping into the next talent tree real quick, we're just going to go through all these. Um, Hotslog seems to think that it's about split 49-49 between uh, Netherwind, which increases which increases Gravity Lapse's range, and it restores mana if it hits an enemy hero, and it refunds 80 mana, and um, the ability itself costs 90, so that's essentially a full mana re, um, rebuild, uh, I guess, restro restoration. You, you get all your mana refunded if you land a Netherwind on an enemy hero, which is nice. Um, the other... Talent that's taken at four uh, is Mana Tap, and that restores some of your mana uh, whenever you activate Verdant Spears. Um, I think that this is obviously now we're getting to personal preference and just what I have found. To me, it's a toss-up between Netherwind or the third remaining talent at this at this tier, which is Energy Royal, and that is, an Energy Royal makes it where whenever Gravity Lapse hits a hero, you reduce the cooldown by nine seconds. Now, that's a big deal, especially if, like I mentioned, you were going up against a uh, a an enemy composition where there's a lot of frontline targets. 
like let's say they have etc Murd and artis uh sonia they have people that are going to be in your face uh you know the ability itself um the cooldown is 14 seconds so if you land a, a, a you know your your uh gravity lapse on enemy hero with a nine second reduction that means every five seconds you have a pretty pretty nice stun and that can help you survive a lot especially if let's say you're playing quick match or you're playing hero league you're not in comms with your team you're not able to communicate hey they're on me and you need to be able to kind of survive on your own i do not think that you are uh, hindering yourself if you take energy royal at four that said i almost every game take netherwind the increased range 30 percent increased range is nuts and um and the mana, uh, getting mana back. Because I'm often trying to stack Convection. I don't have, I'm not collecting Globes, and I'm not taking Mana Tap, obviously. So I like getting that mana back, because 90 mana is a lot. So mm -hmm. something to keep in mind. Especially uh, for uh, a hero that's like primarily spell-based damage, who burns through mana absolutely. very quickly. I know, if you're, if you're auto-attacking as Kael'thas, you're really probably not playing him correctly. I don't, I can't think of many times that I'm auto-attacking anyone as Kael'thas. Um, that said, you're going to jump right into level 7. I am going to jump right into level 7 talents. Uh, this is pretty much another toss-up between two. Uh, most people, they're stacking Convection. They're going for the Q build. And when they do that, they take a Burned Flesh at level 7. Now, that makes it where when you hit two or more heroes, they take an additional damage equal to 8% of their maximum health. And so um, oftentimes... If it's if they're running double bruiser, or if they have like a bruiser and a thrall, like there will be two targets in the front line that you can basically hit uh, almost on every queue, and that's really important. It kind of gives Kalefoss a lot of spell damage. Heroes are lacking when it comes to um, high health pool, and uh, as far as I know, that might be the only spell, a magic damage spell in the game. Uh, for a caster that actually increases its damage, like a giant killer, like a you know, um, so he's like unique in that regard. Type of... yeah, exactly, like a an HP pool based damage modifier. I, I you know what? Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that it's the only spell, uh, mage spell that does that. So that's that's pretty cool. Uh, that's that said, the only the uh, I also on occasion take the other talent at this tier that I think is worth mentioning, and that's Sun King's Fury, and that increases the damage uh, that Living Bomb does when it spreads to enemy heroes by 35%. So that's, you know, that's a sizable chunk of damage increase. Mm -hmm. um, and usually what I'm doing is I, I like to synergize that with when I go Mana Addict at level 1. Um, if I don't think I'm going to stack my Qs to 20 and I don't want to play passively, my team needs me... Um, and Because oftentimes that means that, like I said, they have a very strong, very divey front line. So you're going to be getting a lot of living bombs off. I almost exclusively trait my living bomb. Um, and just for the rest of the video, if I say trait anything, I'm just talking about press my Verdant Spheres. And that's the ability that I'm going to um, trait for that fight, for that scenario. So I'm almost always trading my, my living bomb in those fights. And you get, I think, a lot of value out of Sun King's Fury. And uh, Burn Flesh, like I said, can be good. But usually you're gonna you're gonna take that with uh, the, the rest of the Q build. Mm -hmm. Jumping right into heroics, um, Kelthas has two, obviously, like everyone. Phoenix comes in uh, to me as the the better of the two heroics. He launches a Phoenix into an area, dealing 78 damage to enemies along the way. The Phoenix persists for seven seconds, attacking enemies for 78 damage on attack, and the attack speed's pretty pretty high. Um, and each of each of those attacks splash for 50% of their damage. 
And to my my experience, I, I could be wrong on this, but it prioritizes heroes. Um, and that said, the other um, heroic ability that Kael'thas can run is Pyroblast. You uh, cast for 1.5 seconds, and then you cast a slow-moving fireball that deals a huge chunk of damage. High level 10, it's 810 damage to enemy hero and 405 damage to enemies nearby. The only reason I don't often run Pyroblast is I feel like there's a lot of counterplay ability, even if even if it is quick match, even if it is Hero League and they're not in comms, pretty much everybody in the game knows, okay, there's a Pyroblast on the map. What can we do to help this guy? Mm-hmm. And um, ob- obviously there are times where you can cast it and there's nothing they can do. And you get the kill and you're like, that's awesome. But I feel like I really like taking Phoenix for zone control, AoE. Um, yeah, it's and we'll get into some of that strategy uh, in a little bit. But just as a, as a note, I like running Phoenix. Uh, at 13... He has three different talents that modify Living Bomb. Um, the number one pick, obviously, is Pyromaniac, which um, each time Living Bomb deals periodic damage. Uh, and this includes minions. Kael'thas' basic abilities are reduced by one second. And so like uh, each, like I said, we know that Living Bomb ticks three times. So uh, that's three seconds. Uh, cooldown reduction on all your spells. Pretty nice. Mm-hmm. Pretty nice. And if you've got Energy Royal, that means like by the time your Living Bomb's done, you have another... Uh, gravity lapse off cooldown, which is pretty sweet. Yeah, um, something to note too is that it's per uh, living bomb that you have. So if you use your verdant trait to get a free living bomb off of a hero, or just anyway off of a unit, and then you throw out your regular living bomb on something else, it reduces the cooldown twice as fast. Absolutely, you're getting two. You're getting two second cooldown reduction every tick. Mm-hmm. of that and that means that you'll be having your cues off cooldown like <laughs> yeah so and that to me is why pyromanic is pyromanic is the most picked talent uh, at that tier uh myself um and this is obviously this is a personal preference according to hot slogs this is a taken very often much like uh energy royal but uh i i enjoy taking backdraft i think that it's, it, you know, obviously, if my team has like an Arthas and a lot of CC there, or like Thrall with an Earthquake, or if if my team has a lot of CC built in, not a big deal. Uh, obviously, I'm going to go Pyromaniac and just maximize uh, getting as many flame strikes as possible in every fight. Mm-hmm. However, I really like Backdraft because when Living Bomb explodes, it slows enemy movement speed by 30% for two seconds, and that it actually is a lot of movement speed reduction, and it's very noticeable in a fight. And so that's just something to throw in. Like um, uh, some people like to go fission bomb explodes, which increases the radius that it will spread uh, when it finally blows up, increases the area. And that's a, that's also a great talent at the tier. There's really no, in my opinion, bad talents at 13, very situational. Uh, I would, but I would say that the most common choice is pyromaniac cooldown reduction. Uh, level 16. Um, this is a talent tier that is pretty one-sided, I would say. Uh, Fury of the Sunwell at level 16 gives you the ability, well, actually, whenever you cast Flame Strike after a short delay, another Flame Strike is cast. And uh, that's why it's chosen 86% of the time. So there's a reason people do that. It essentially doubles your damage. And especially if you're synergizing with some hard CC in your team, ETC Mosh Pit, uh, even a Leo Rick and Tomb, or... Uh, yeah, anytime you know that someone's going to have to contest or be in an area, you can throw out a flame strike and know you're going to get two of them. Now, obviously, that synergizes well with Convection, but even if you haven't specced at all for increased Q damage, 
by this time, level 16, Kael'thas just naturally scales, and he's got a ton of spell ability power and damage. And uh, Fury of the Sunwell is just outstanding. Now, some people go Twin Spheres. Like, that's for me, that's if you're going heavy into uh, your Living Bomb build, and that means that Verdant Spheres actually gains a second charge. That, that's what it means to me, anyways. Like, um, if I'm going Q build, it's usually going to be with cooldown reduction and Fury of the Sunwell. So I'll, I'll essentially be able to cast multiple Flame Strikes in a fight, anyways. So if I'm going Twin Spheres, that's because I'd like to put Living Bombs on two or three targets and then just watch the, the chaos ensue, so to speak. Um, my, I don't know how many people take Arcane Dynamo. You, you use it and your basic abilities increase your spell power. It's kind of a passive... It's not, I'm sorry, it's not something you use, but when you do use a basic ability, Kael'thas' spell power is increased by 3% per 5 seconds, stacking up to 15%. Now, yeah, that's not that great. I don't know anyone who really takes that talent because... The two main playstyles of Kael'thas is either Flame Strike or Living Bomb. So the Flame Strike build, it's obvious like you go for the double double strike. If you're going for the Living Bomb build, it makes a lot of sense to get double spheres. And of course, it's very situational. Depends on the map and the objective, how you want to play it. Um, but basically, the twin twin spheres build allows you to put multiple Living Bombs out onto the enemy team get that spread AOE damage and reduce all of your cooldowns uh, very quickly. Right. And um, especially at high levels of play, uh, my experience has been with teams, like when somebody has Living Bomb on them, my whole team's communicating, hey, he's got the bomb, get away from the bomb player. You, you, you are forcing, even if you don't spread it to anybody, for that three seconds, you're forcing the enemy team to move differently than what they would be doing otherwise, right? Mm -hmm. They're probably trying to engage, they want to do this or that. And so they're essentially all are in comms now going, okay, everyone spread out, like get away from the bomb. And it's kind of cool to be able to do that. And sometimes maybe they don't care and you get a lot of spread and your damage is insane. Um, so the last talent here, I know we're chugging through these pretty quick, but I really want to get into kind of the dynamics of Kael'thas in general. But the last talent here, um, you have Rebirth, which affects your Phoenix. It allows you to just kind of, uh, recast it once it's on the field and change the uh, like its placement, and it kind of adds to the duration. Uh, or you can increase your power less radius and lower its cooldown uh, per enemy hero hit. However, that being said, very rarely are those talents taken. The level 20 talents are a toss-up between either uh, Master of Flames, which means that Living Bomb will spread indefinitely. Now, this used to be, if I'm not mistaken, baseline. Calvin, is that accurate? Yeah, back before his rework, um, it would just continually spread. Right, and I think that was because they didn't have the level 13 modifiers to Living Bomb. So uh, that's why I think that they removed that from baseline because that would just be that would be pretty OP. But <laughs> Living Bomb spreading indefinitely at level 20, the whole game changes, in my opinion, when you take that talent. Um, we talked before about how enemy teams need to keep track of the bomb, but Things are getting chaotic at level 20. Everyone's just engaging. It's a free-for-all. And if you're not paying attention, those living bombs. And to me, that's also, I think, just for fun. If you're just kind of messing around, I think that synergizes really well with Backdraft at 13, the movement speed slow. It, you know, once they start spreading and everyone's slow, like, they can't get away. That looks really nice. That said, although my personal preference is Master of Flames, just because I guess I'm an old-school KT player and I miss that as a baseline nice. modifier, uh, a lot of people take Flamethrower, and that increases Flame Strike's range by a lot, 40%. Um, so, and if it hits two or more heroes, the cooldown is reduced by four seconds. Now, 
just as a quick, you know, just as a quick, it's it's baseline is seven seconds. So that's more than half the cooldown is reduced if you hit two or more heroes. At at that point, you're just throwing out cues left and right now, and then you've, you know, but to me, that's almost too much cooldown reduction if you've gone uh, Pyromaniac at 13. If you've gone the cooldown reduction at uh, the Pyromaniac, that's already going to, um, in my mind, take at least three seconds off the cooldown. And every four, four seconds is plenty, uh, or very, is plenty fast that you don't necessarily, in my mind, it doesn't justify taking Flamethrower. That said, Flamethrower is taken the majority of the time. It's not a bad talent. Like I said, this, this tier is a toss-up between these two talents. Uh, really, it's a preference of play style. I love going Master of Flames. I think it gets a lot of value. Um, I think that by the time that you get level 20, most of, the, most of what you're doing is team fighting, uh, and that's where you get the most value. So how that said, Flamethrower, that 40% range increase is nice, but the um, Flamestrike doesn't exactly have a small range to begin with. I don't know how much you necessarily benefit. I think I'm able to cast Flamestrike from relative safety for most of the game regardless mm -hmm. um so that's just something to keep in mind like it's kind of like the you know if you've watched my Vala video it's kind of like the difference between the increased attack speed or increased attack range are you dying a lot uh are is your team having a hard time keeping you alive um is the enemy team are you having a hard time getting to their back line um that's when i think flamethrower is really good and you really are able to force the enemy backline to play differently because they know that even if they're in relative what, what would normally be a relative safe uh, placement or positioning for them is actually well within your uh, Q range and uh, then you will also have Fury of the Sunwell. So if it's in a tight lane or like a death bridge and you throw down a Q, um, you'll like, so let's say you're on Dragonshire, you're on one of the death bridges or Sky Temple, you're on the bridge and maybe you're defending, and their tanks come charging across the bridge. You throw up a Q behind the tanks, knowing the back line's coming, and meanwhile, you have Living Bomb on the front line. So what you have is two flame strikes coming up. So the first, first flame strike goes up, then there's a delay, then there's another flame strike. So that's like four seconds right there that the back line can't engage in the fight. And then you have, you've cast Living Bomb on one of the front line by then, and... I think that by that point, by the time the backline's finally like, okay, it's safe to engage again, you have another queue up. So if if used correctly to zone, you don't even have to land your your flame strikes because by level twenty and you've got your convection stacks, you'll be doing like as a you know I usually play squishy range DPS myself, and just one flame strike from a kale toss is half your health bar, and that is just like you can't just take half your health bar uh, at level twenty. You'll have you, you you know if I get a hit by a flame strike late in the game. Um, my thought is instantly, okay, back off. Uh, everybody back off. Let me get a heal. We'll re-engage later, and next time I won't get hit by that Q. So yeah, that's I, just kind of like... I think that's actually yeah. a great segue into some more of a strategy-based discussion. So talking about Flamethrower, yeah, everything you said is like completely correct. Um, you know, I, th I don't think it's a bad talent at all. If you're going up against like a Butcher Terial or a, a heavy engaged comp, maybe you need Flamethrower to get some of that poke damage early in. And in that situation, I think it can be a really good pick because you're basically trying to chip away at the enemy team's health um, so that they rush to get to you. And when they do get to you, most of their health is already chunked down. So it kind of right. tilts the enemy or tilts the team fight in that way. However, if you're... I mean, when using Flame Strike with the Flamethrower range, you have to consider the circumstances where you're going to be using it. If you are that far behind your front line, 
that means you're also not getting your living bomb damage out. That means you're not helping out with gravity lapses. So if you're positioned yeah. in that way during fights, it's highly likely that you're not actually doing the damage that your team needs you to do. Um, or if you position yourself a little bit farther forward so that you are like within normal range, you can then use flamethrower to hit that back line if they are further away from you know your enemy team's front line. So I would say that's probably the more correct way. Like just because you have that range doesn't mean you have to be that far away from the enemy front line. Right? You should be actively yeah. trying to utilize all of your abilities, especially if you went for cooldown reduction on your living bombs. You want to try to be close enough and position well enough so that you can throw out your living bombs, get those cooldown reductions, and toss out flame strikes wherever they need to go. Um, and maps yeah. like Cursed Hollow, for example, or Warhead Junction, where uh, the enemy team has to channel an objective for a certain amount of time, Getting that increased range can help you poke effectively and stall out um, the enemy team from being able to channel. Of course, that will only last you so long, and you do need the team to follow up. But that is a situation where I could possibly see someone taking Flamethrower. Um, I mean, I personally don't take it because I prefer the Living Bomb spread, because oftentimes, if your team is coordinated enough, even if the enemy team is coordinated, you're tanks or your frontline are usually going to be able to focus the enemy team's movement and you're already going to be using your flame strikes to force their positioning as well so chances are very high if you're tossing out two living bombs at once that at least one is going to spread and as that one spreads it spreads again and again um so right. that's where i see a ton of value um and it's a great counter to heroes like lucio and brightwing and Ariel, heroes that require uh healing to be done within a small area i mean even like against Karazim as well, because the enemy team needs to clump up for heals, they're going to be regularly clumping up, allowing Living Bomb more chances to spread. So that's right. why you often see Kael'thas picked against Brightwing, Kael'thas picked against Oriole, Karazim, um, really area-based supports. Yeah, another, another addition to that, like another reason why you might pick a Kael'thas into a Karazim. It's not just because, obviously, like you mentioned, certain supports require people to clump up together to get good heals, but also there are just a slew of heroes who uh, teleport to allies. That's a great time to throw a living bomb. Like, to me, anytime a Karazim comes to the front line, I throw a bomb on him because most Karazim players are just going to poke a little bit, maybe throw a heal on the tanks, and then dash to the back line. Um, I'm trying to think of some other examples. Uh, Murden always jumps away. Murden's another great one to throw living bombs on because usually Murden's will be very aggro and then they'll take some damage and then want to jump out so they can heal with their passive. They're almost always going to be jumping into the back line. Uh, there's just many heroes that play like that and I'm sure if you're listening or watching, like you got some examples coming to mind. So just there's a lot of frontline or even just melee assassins who uh, are just... As a Kael'thas player, you know, you'll just play a lot and then you'll just know like, hey, there's a new Barak in my face but my team's coming in and yeah, he just impaled me, but I think he's about to burrow, throw a living bomb on. And sure enough that an Uberak is going to burrow back into his team and spread uh, the bomb. And you can kind of use the enemy's movement uh, to your advantage. I think with living bomb, it, you don't have, you want to, you can, you can get living bomb on the back line without actually having to do it. You're, you're making the enemy front line do it for you. It's kind of nice. Yeah. Uh, Kael'thas is an especially great pick against double warrior comps, uh, like especially comps that have a main tank and a bruiser. Um, one, because the main tank is just going to be hanging out in the front line, and the bruiser is usually, almost usually, a melee hero that has to be in the front line as well. 
because bruisers typically have lower health pool, they'll be retreating at a higher frequency than than the tanks, uh, opening up more possibility and chances for the living bomb to spread. Um, that being said, Kael'thas also works really well within double warrior comps, uh, just because the nature of Kael'thas of uh, being really immobile um, and vulnerable, you usually want more than one warrior protecting and zoning for that Kael'thas. And something important to note is that when you do have a hero that is like Kael'thas, that has high burst and high sustain damage, sustain being through Living Bomb, um, you don't really need too much more damage within your team fight. So most of your energies are going to be working on zoning and protecting the Kael'thas to make sure that your damage doesn't die. Uh, your own team's bruiser doesn't necessarily need to worry about doing too much damage against the enemy team, and more so just needs to focus on surviving. Because when you're playing with a yeah. Kael'thas on your team, there's going to be a ton of damage coming out if your Kael'thas knows what he's doing. Yeah, that's um, that is a great that is a great point. You know, there's a lot of uh, range damage out there that's very mobile. Your your Valos, your Li Ming's, and they're going to be kind of just like dashing around your Tychus's, trying to get trying to get their damage where they can get it. But really, like when you have a Kael'thas, it's almost like you want your whole team to just like get around you in a circle and just move slowly in a ball and like you know and if they try to engage on you you got your gravity laps ready and your tanks are ready to peel and um you're able to essentially just throw out damage and i mentioned this before but q already has such an awesome range and if you do trade your q which i don't often if you do trade your q um then you get that much more extended range uh when you cast flame strike and that's it can catch people off guard um, even before 20, obviously, because maybe they're expecting a flamethrower pick at 20, but uh, you can get a nice little extension to the Q range when you use your trait and uh, buff flame strike. Yeah, um, so, so since we're talking yeah. about the trait, let's actually jump in and mention how his trait works with Living Bomb for a moment. I know I'm talking about Living Bomb a lot, it's because that's my main build. I know you're a flame strike kind of build KT. I'm the uh, super troll Living Bomb build KT. Um, well, I mentioned, I mentioned, hey man, I take Master of Flames. I do. Even when I'm going Q build, I take Master of Flames. Mm -hmm. Yeah, something that's important to note with KT is there are very efficient ways to use him, um, especially concerning your mana and your damage output. Uh, for example, I don't know if you do this, Barnhart, but when I'm playing Kael'thas, I'll use my trait to augment my Living Bomb, toss out a free Living Bomb, because when you do use your trait on it, it allows you to throw out a manaless living bomb and have an instant reset. So you're essentially getting two two living bombs, right? And I'll use both of those and then a flame strike to get my damage out and just wait for the cooldowns. Um obviously there are multiple yeah, ways you're talking to play about that. Like burning down a boss. You're yeah, talking about exactly. like when you're burning down that's that's a good thing to remember and uh it used to be that Kael'thas's trait used to actually make your Q damage increase. That's no longer the case. Mm -hmm. So you actually get no value if you're burning down a static target um, or even a frontline tank, for instance, that you know is not going to do a lot of moving. Uh, you get no value out of trading your Q at that point. So if, you're, if your team is burning down a boss and you know it's going to take a while, yes, always trade your Living Bomb, throw out your Q, and then your, your Verdant Sphere's cooldown is actually shorter than the Living Bomb cooldown. So it's important to know, like, if it's a camp, like let's say it's a Bruiser camp, and you want to just do your usual, right? You, if you trade your living bomb, you cast it on the, the mage caster, uh, then you throw down your flame strike. It might have value then if the camp's not going to last very long to use your second living bomb and put it on cooldown. But if it's an extended boss duration, your DPS 
uh, your damage per second is actually at its highest when you trade your living bomb, throw out a Q, and then wait till your Verdant Spheres comes off cooldown, trade it again, and then you just essentially only use your... Uh, if, you know, So the, the, the longer the fight, the more value you get out of that because you've essentially taken five seconds off your living bomb cooldown for that whole fight. Just something to think about. Right. All right, well, we are at the halfway point of this episode, so if you're watching live, we're going to continue in just a moment. Uh, but for those of you who are watching on YouTube or on Facebook, if you want access to the full hour session, just head over to patreon.com slash Nexus Raiders. All of our patrons, regardless of pledge tier, get access to these Heroes 101 sessions. So be sure to become a patron if you aren't one already. Um, so let, let's continue on the conversation. Um, I actually want to discuss how Kael'thas compares to other heroes. But um, real quick, just because this is kind of like a nitty, nitty, gritty, nitty, gritty, picky kind of thing. How would you clear waves as Kael'thas? Because really, really, yeah. uh, something that is just like so you, you take it for granted. But honestly, uh, my I'm almost always trait the caster minion Q at least the caster minion and the backline the, the mages. And then oftentimes, depending on how the wave is shaped itself, we're like we're getting into really nitty gritty, right? You said oftentimes the way the wave is shaped itself, you won't be able to get all three of the melee ca minions, but you should be able to get at least two melee, all three ranged and the caster minion with your Q. And then your Living Bomb is, is still off cooldown because you got a free one, and you've only spent mana on your Q, and you've cleared the whole lane, and you get an orb. So KT can clear a wave with, you know, without um, really expending much mana at all. And that's going to segue me right into... It's a great question. It's going to segue, segue me right into what I think is one of the strongest maps, which is Tomb of the Spider Queen, or Infernal Shrines, or Towers of Doom. Essentially, those maps where you see teams run the like one-man lane and then a four-man uh, wave clear and then rotation build, and I, you know, uh, obviously this is like the higher ELO discussion about Kael'thas. So I'm assuming then that you kind of know what I'm talking about if you're watching. Is like there are just are certain maps where you leave a solo laner in the solo lane and then your team rotates as four. Now, to me, you're gonna want to if you are the drafter for your team and you get to pick whatever you want. You're, I like to run KT in that scenario with Malfurion and Johanna. Mm -hmm. um, and then you can throw in whatever fourth you want. If you think you need another range, go for it, but you usually don't. My Your best bet would be, in my opinion, to throw in another melee assassin or bruiser with some hard CC or at least like an Alarak. Uh, I think that would be like a very strong four-man. If you have Johanna, Alarak, KT, Malf in a four-man, I can't think of another... I mean, maybe if they're taking some obscure picks that are like weird counters, but um, I'm having a hard time imagining you having too much trouble because in that scenario, you're not necessarily trying to just engage a team fight every time you see the enemy team. What you're trying to do is know that Kael'thas can clear a wave without spending any mana, and then mount back up and go to the next wave. And the enemy team, especially if they don't have the wave clear to match, they're going to have to stay in that lane and finish up your minions, which took no damage because theirs were dead already. Mm -hmm. And then they, after they clear that, then they're going to try to run back to, the, to follow your team and Kael'thas, like I said, he still has all his mana. Uh, Malfurion doesn't have to burn any heal spells. Johanna's, you know, Johanna's great because her Condemn obviously synergizes with Kael'thas. If we're talking about heroes that synergize well with KT, I'm going to throw Johanna at the top of the list, as well as Malfurion with his innervates, obviously. Um, so but other course, than the that... The reason why Johanna synergizes well with Kael'thas is because of Johanna's Condemn. What it does is it forms a ring and pulls all the units within a ring closer to Johanna, which... Johanna with being the center. Um, and that just makes right. it easier for Kael'thas to hit more units with Flame Strike. Um, also, backtracking yeah. just real quick, when you are Kael'thas, if you're clearing a wave, 
let the enemy minions clump up into the normal 313 formation. Don't try to clear mm -hmm. a minion enemy minion wave when it's in the line form that's still traveling because you're just going to end up wasting your spells and your mana versus if you just wait a few more seconds for them to clump up, you can clear all of them almost instantly. Right. And I just as a, as a note, just like a KT asterisk, I I was, I do it sometimes, but I very rarely and this goes into kind of management and things like that, but I very, very rarely trade my queue. So oftentimes if I'm throwing out a queue, it's because I have a target already picked out and I think the queue has a decent AOE on its own or I'm following up uh, a gravity lapse. And I think that's a, a lot of mistake a lot of KT players make is I never see enough other KT players trading their gravity lapse. So important. Your gravity lapse now can stun three people and it increases the duration. Like, do... Um, Increase the duration by 50%. So it goes from a one-second stun to a one-and-a-half-second stun. That's a long time when you're talking about hard CC. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of hard CC that's one-and-a-half seconds. I think even Varian's taunt isn't even one-and-a-half seconds. Uh, so it's just so important to know. Well, yeah, Varian's taunt's 1.25 seconds. Like, that is uh, in MOBA go or whatever. One, a one-and-a-half-second hard CC on up to three enemy heroes is godly. Like you can you can land a good gravity lapse that's traded and then walk away and your team can win a fight on that. Like you don't even have to follow that up with damage. I, I can't stress enough. Like the the setup potential for a good Kalathos is incredible. Like mm -hmm. with that, and I don't see enough. That's why to me I also like the increased range and the mana and the mana refund. Like hit three heroes and you actually gain mana. Mm -hmm. So not only do you yeah exactly. I just can't can't stress that enough is the importance of trading your gravity laps. And that also, that increased uh, duration of the CC means that you're, to, to kind of go back to what I was saying, it increases your, makes it easier for you to just land that queue. It doesn't have to be traded. Um, obviously, at the beginning of the game, people back a lot. You, you're not really worried about mana. You're going to trade your queue more because you're trying to stack convection. This is assuming you've gotten that build. But um, that's kind of, otherwise, you're going to be burning up a ton of your mana, uh, throwing out, Qs and and untraded living bombs because they take a lot of mana, and that's just a little KT one on one. That's what we're about here. A little pro tip I've discovered is very rarely trade your Q unless you absolutely need the increased range. Like somebody's about to run back to the fountain and they're at low health, and if you trade it, you're gonna have that increased range to get the kill. That's one thing. Obviously, do do that. But uh, usually, I'm trading my living bomb or I'm trading my E to set up a pick. Uh, when I know, like, okay, oh, my, my Zeratul's coming into lane. He's about to jump in, uh, throw out that one-and-a-half-second stun. And it's pretty much a free kill for a Zeratul at that point. Like, I, um, yeah, just something, I, something to remember. Always, if you can, trade that gravity lapse. And uh, that makes it that much easier for you to land your abilities without too much trouble. Yeah. Um, you know, let's compare Kael'thas to other heroes, actually. Uh, so Kael'thas is obviously a mage, so that's in content. Like, I don't know, the other contenders for that category are, like, Chromie, Gul'dan, uh, Jaina, Li Ming. Ming. Um, right. In some ways, I wouldn't even compare Li Ming to Kael'thas. Um, I feel that Lunar, in some ways, is actually really, really similar to Kael'thas. But I'd say the main... When you're going... When you're trying to draft a KT and it gets banned, I would say you almost always take Gul'dan as a replacement because they fulfill similar roles but how would you say that Kael'thas differs from those other mages and when you would pick him over those well you mentioned um you mentioned Gul'dan and 
uh, while I don't disagree, I would think even more to that point would be Jaina. I think Jaina has a similar, like she has a lot of poke and sustained damage. Then she also, if you get in close, she can just burst you a lot. That said, Gul'dan's Q, very kind of similar to Flame Strike. Uh, obviously low cooldown, but it's kind of like closer to him. It doesn't quite have the range and you can't really... Yeah, gold, I mean, Gul'dan's a good a good comparison. I don't like uh, the reason I don't really like it is Gul'dan's. You're usually waiting 16 seconds for your next echo corruption, mm-hmm. for your next corruption. So, to me, Gul'dan's almost like a very cooldown based, and he deserves his own Heroes 101 video, and that's its own thing. But I I like I more akin Kalefoss to a Jaina, which is just like Blizzard and Flame Strike. Feel like they run very similarly, and then. I guess her Ice Lance and Gravity Lapse are similar in that they're both CC, although not the same. Um, but when I would take Kael'thas, uh, like I said, on maps where you're doing a strong four-man rotation or on a map where there's a lot of wave clear, um, you mentioned maps where people are channeling, uh, mm-hmm. having to channel for the map objective like Cursed Hollow. Uh, yes, yes on that. But at the same time, like you'll go through your mana pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I re- Personally, I think... I really like Kael'thas on maps where people are forced to fight for an area, like a King of the Hill style, like Sky Temple or Braxis mm-hmm. Holdout. To me, that's like guaranteed Q, Q stacks, guaranteed burned flesh uh, procs. Um, love playing KT on Sky Temple. Uh, so good. Um, I'm trying to think of other maps with a King of the Hill type scenario. But and mean, it's like you said, the thing, those, the thing those, is- those channel... The channel map objectives work in the same way. Everyone kind of clumps right. around the towers, for instance, on Towers of Doom. Mm-hmm. I mean, I only really bring out that example for Flamethrower, because otherwise, like... Because oh. uh, I think if you're using Kael'thas as poke, you would probably much be better suited playing a Chromie or Leeming, right? Absolutely. Uh, but when yes. you do take Kael'thas, um, obviously my statement before was in regards to the level 20 talent, but Kael'thas, considering his kit and his playstyle... He does, like you said, excel in zone control type maps uh, and those type of comps. Um, just because he is able to do a large amount of damage within areas. Um, and the way you're going to be drafting with your Kael'thas anyway, it just kind of lends itself to that. So like you said, Braxis Holdout, uh, even Dragonshire, where you're trying to like maintain control over an area, um, Kael'thas really yeah. excels. And that's something that I really want to highlight, because if you think about all the maps... The different roles that Kael'thas fulfills, Kael'thas actually works very well on almost all of the maps uh, that have come out for Heroes of Storm, except maybe like Hanamura. But you, even then, yeah. you could argue that Kael'thas can be good there as well. Um, but the reason why he has perhaps a lower win rate or a harder time is because he's very team-oriented. Because without the correct protection, without the correct support, peeling, zoning, Kael'thas isn't able to get out the damage that he should. Because if you think about it, if you don't have the right protection or the healing that you need, you're going to be using Gravity Lapse a lot more often than you are going to be using your trait to buff your Living Bomb to spread more and more damage, to use your Flame Strikes where you need to rather than to zone. Um, so I think Kael'thas actually works well on almost all the maps. I would, I would even say similar to Jaina. Uh, both of those mages, the old school mages, work very well on almost all the maps, but they do require a lot of team coordination. So I definitely don't yes. recommend taking Kael'thas in a solo queue environment. Right. So, and and 
similar to Jaina, Kael Thos has a lot of mana dependency issues. Like, if you don't manage his mana correctly, and if you're not smart, like I said, if you're throwing out traded, traded cues, if you're throwing out traded flame strikes, like left and right, um, every time you cast Living Bomb, you know, you're you're essentially like doubling your mana consumption. Um, so that's something to think about. Like, if, if you if you got a fight coming up, and I know Jane is the same way. They they did give her that arcane intellect talent, but most people are going Q build. Uh, if you don't if you don't play these mages correctly, you will you know you'll spend all your mana in lane trying to poke unnecessarily or ineffectively. Uh, granted, if you get a kill, that's great. But if you don't and you've used seventy five percent of your mana pool, and then the uh, the tribute pops up on Cursed Hollow, you either have to back, and then your team's at a disadvantage, mm-hmm. or you get to cast a spell or two, and then you're essentially an auto attacker. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's uh, one of those things where, I mean, it's nice with your KT, because even when you're, like, at the dregs of your mana pool, and you've, like, been doing a good job, mm-hmm. when that trait comes off cooldown, you can throw out free living bombs. But mm-hmm. other than that, like, you know, it's, 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 it's high level of play we're talking about here, and at high levels of play, you gotta, you gotta watch your mana. And uh, it's something to think about. Yeah, so let's discuss what he's great. Or so, in terms of heroes, which heroes he's great against, as well as what heroes might counter Kalethos. And I feel like, you know, as we discuss that, maybe we should also talk about different compositions because I don't feel as though individual heroes necessarily counter Kalethos. Because when you are playing Kalethos, you have to consider your own team's composition. So Kael'thas individually right. might be good against several heroes, but to talk about counters to Kael'thas, you have to consider compositions. Right. Counters to Kael'thas are pretty much people that can take advantage of the fact that he has no mobility. That's mm-hmm. if you're talking about a, an Achilles heel for for Kael'thas, they put this big mage out there on the field, give him tons of damage, tons of CC in his kit, uh, his own control, and he's if you like I said, if you play him correctly, he's got a good mana pool. Um, but he's got no mobility. And combine that with the fact that he has a quest at level one where if you die, you lose all your stacks. And so um, really his like hard counters to Kael'thas are obviously just, I, I, you know, maybe I mentioned this earlier, but Tracer, Zeratul, um, Anubarak, people that can get in his face no matter what the enemy team's trying to do. Uh, to, you know, if, you're on, if you are Kael'thas and your team's doing their best, like it's very hard. Uh, against there are just certain heroes in the game that can pick a target and make their life very difficult. I guess like you could say the same counters for Kael'thas would be the same counters for like Morales, right? People that are going to get in your face and they're going to be trying to kill you the whole time. And really, your ability to kite with your gra- traded gravity laps and your ability and your team's your teammates' ability to peel for you is going to determine your success most of the time because it, he's one of those heroes, much like Morales, where. Uh, in a in a highly low level environment, people are not going to let you just stand there and free cast your spells and just rack up your damage numbers. Um, they just can't do it. They can't afford to do it. So they're going to have to either focus you or uh, maybe draw your front line out of your range so that you can't support them. And that might be the other option they do. Uh, especially if you, as Kael'thas, if your team has drafted you as the only damage, I think that if you're playing against Kael'thas, that's probably the best way to counter him, is to let the the team that has Kael'thas let their front line overextend mm-hmm. and then pounce on the front line while you're waiting for the Kael'thas to kind of move forward to follow up. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably the best way mechanically to counter Kael'thas. Uh, otherwise, you're just going to want to pick heroes that can harass him pretty much uh, for free. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're smart, you know, Illidan's very hard. The way he jumps around you and can use uh, W, his 
his W better to salt or whatever. He's very mobile. And even if you go energy Royal, there's really no guarantee you're going to land that gravity lapse on Illidan as a KD player. I really don't like playing against him. Tracer's the same way. Mm -hmm. uh, essentially, if they dodge your, you know, if they dodge your gravity lapse, you're a sitting duck. Mm -hmm. um, and at that point, you just throw a living bomb on and put a Q at your feet and you know you're going to die, but just try to get some damage off on whoever's trying to kill you. Mm -hmm. um, that's my best advice when an Illidan's in your face, even if it's not Commander Chew. My best advice <laughs> is when an Illidan's in your face and you miss your gravity lapse. <laughs> things are things and even if you land it illidan's hard to get away from so mm -hmm. you have to work with your team you can't you cannot farm alone if they have an if they have an illidan uh, or if you are going to farm make sure it's under tower um i guess the hardest counter might be illidan now that i think about it but um i mean maybe you're just thinking about me playing illidan <laughs> well of course no, you're not. yes yeah. yes you are you are the illidan guy but i just mean in general illidan's kid he's very mobile and um he doesn't even have to take the ability power reduction on his evasion. He can just dodge your skill shots, and then Living Bomb doesn't do that much damage on its own, right? Mm. So right. Uh, I guess if you're going to counter Kael'thas, that's how you're going to do it. And if you're going to use Kael'thas effectively with a team, you're just going to take a team that has a lot of peel and a lot of crowd control. So I like Kael'thas yeah. with Arthas a lot. I like Kael'thas with Johanna a lot. Mm -hmm. And um, the thing is, is I don't necessarily like running Kael'thas or, uh, with... ETC. Now, obviously, if you think to yourself, hey, Mosh Pit and Flame Strike, that's obviously great. But don't get me wrong, Mosh Pit makes every hero good. Mm -hmm. So, uh, a good Mosh Pit doesn't matter who you are, you're going to synergize with that ETC. Mm -hmm. So, it, I, what I don't like is a lot of, um, I don't like front lines that move people around and make it harder for me to land my skill shots. Mm -hmm. uh, granted, you know, if you're really good and you're playing with a guy who's ETC all the time, you might wait. But same thing with Diablo. Like, I want to follow up on a Diablo most of the time, but, but usually they're John Cena and people over their shoulders, and it's hard. The gravity lap, gravity laps has a it's a narrow skill shot. Um, so I really like Meriden. I really like people who just stun and don't necessarily, uh, you know, physically move them around. Um, that's my thought on that, anyways. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's if you're gonna play him well, you know, just look to follow up or set up set up picks right, like. That's the only thing. If you're playing with an ETC and you're like, man, I'm having trouble, just let the ETC know, especially if you're in comps, hey, let me lead with a gravity lapse. And you set up the play, man. You don't even have to trade it at that point because one second, the untraded gravity lapse is a one second stun, and that's enough time for an ETC to slide in. And then it doesn't matter if you face melt because living bomb, you don't have to aim it. Um, mm -hmm. So that's just something to think about. Um, if you're having trouble landing a combo, uh, let the tank know to wait for you, and, and you can poke and with your gravity lapse. That usually has increased range, mm -hmm. or yeah, just take tanks that uh, have a lot of CC and don't move people around. Yeah, if you don't mind me uh, jumping in real quick. So when you're going into a draft, you if you if your team has the Kalthos, you're going to want to either take or ban out heroes like Anubarak, Varian, uh, the Butcher, uh, Zeratul, Tracer, anyone who can dive in and potentially not take any punishment for it. Especially heroes like Anubrak and even Tyrael who have spell armor, um, who have some forms of lockdown and can do damage and still escape. Those are the heroes that you really want to target banning out um, or t or taking for for yourself. Um, yeah. Going back to your I'm point, not, Arthas. Yeah, I'm not as concerned with Varian, but that's a good example of somebody who, if he gets on you, you're you're probably going to die. Yeah, you're you're going to get deleted, um, and that is because of the point click taunt. Uh, you are already a vulnerable hero uh add that to not being able to do anything for like a second and a half or something um right. you're just you're just a sitting duck so either take variant or ban variant or just pray that the enemy team doesn't have anyone who can play him well um <laughs> i was probably gonna mention something else too 
Um, Usually, if I see Varian, I just throw out a gravity lapse. Mm -hmm. Even if he's charging, he gets stunned. Uh, that's why you mentioned Anubarak. That's a better example because when you see him burrowing towards you, you can't gravity lapse the burrowing Anubarak. You know, mm -hmm. there's and Zeratul's obviously has has a the ability to teleport to you if he lances W or Blink or Morpal Blade. And there's a lot of people who, uh, I guess, people that can ca uh, counterplay gravity lapse. Mm -hmm. It really like you're already not mobile and you have to defend on gravity laps, and that's why I mentioned Tracer. She can just blink and make you miss. Um, yeah, people that that are able to essentially not really have to worry about your gravity laps will give you a very hard time. Right. I mean, the nice thing about drafting Kalefoss, um, even early to mid, uh, midway in the draft, is it does force the enemy team to pick accordingly because. If you're taking a Kael'thas, the enemy team is likely taking maybe a double support comp, probably having to take Regar. I mean, Regar's a fine hero. Um, but, you know, there are pluses and minuses to taking all those. You're basically choking their support pool because if they do pick, um, like, half the heroes, like, half the support heroes rely on area of effect healing. Right? Right. So they're, and they're Kael'thas have to isn't necessarily them. a high priority, so I, what I would say is I would lead with, like, a mouth pick and get your support locked in, mm -hmm. right? And then take the Kael'thas, maybe second, third, mm -hmm. and then they'll essentially have to scramble. Maybe they already have their support picked, and they've already picked cars in. Great, right? Mm -hmm. Great. Take kill Kael'thas. And if they haven't, now they go, maybe they were going to go cars in, maybe they were going to go Brightwing or Lucio, and all of a sudden they're like, well, maybe i got to rethink this. Our draft, we're, we're, you're shaking up their draft just by taking them. Right. And drafting heroes for your Kael'thas, like Arthas, for example, Thrall, Sunder, and Earthquake both work really well. But heroes that can punish the enemy for hard engaging, um, that's yeah. going to be really beneficial to Kael'thas. Because, like, think about Arthas with his uh, AoE slow, plus roots, plus auto attack reduction, or auto attack speed reduction. Um, that's going to punish any forward or bruiser that's trying to engage and try to get damage in. Uh, while your Arthas or whoever is locking down that forward, you're just chunking down their health, tossing living bombs, tossing flame strikes, uh, even like auto attacks here and there. And then thinking about Thrall, like both Sundering and Earthquake both work well in this scenario, but like imagine Earthquake, the enemy team is significantly hindered in terms of their mobility. They can't run and, away, they can't spread. And bombs are spreading. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, and now that you think about it, even like taking Cindergosa on Arthas, it's hilarious. Um, that would be that'd be very effective. Absolutely. Yeah. So you definitely want to take heroes that punish engagements. Yeah. No, that's that's a great point. And just and people that um, like I know we've been harping on Johanna a lot, but she can obviously she like to, to me she like defines the peeling tank mm -hmm. and people who like they try to hard engage on you because like. The reason that I listed all these heroes that counter Kael'thas is because they're going to be making a beeline for you, and usually they're going to burn cooldowns to do it. And if you have a Johanna who can peel them off of you, then all of a sudden they've used their mobility cooldowns to get to you. You're able to essentially just kind of back off. And now they have to choose, am I going to commit and, and die for this Kael'thas, or do I need to back off, wait for cooldowns? And, you know, it's, it's, it's really effective to play with appealing tank as Kael'thas. Because, you know, obviously you can set up a lot on people who engage on you with gravity laps. But also, if you just wait and, and bide your time, you'll be able to get a lot of damage over an extended team fight. Right. I actually remembered one of the points that I wanted to make prior. Uh, so we did mention that it's difficult to synergize Kael'thas with ETC and Diablo. Uh, for example, heroes that do reposition enemies. Um, mm -hmm. I would, 
if you are going to draft like that, just be aware that you probably should practice your combinations just as. Yeah. I mean, some people might not remember this if you're new to the game, but before the Tarande and Diablo combo was just devastating because Diablo could just lock down a hero, follow up a stun from Tarande. You can essentially match that with Kael'thas, but with potentially even more damage because if a Diablo is flipping someone, charging them, you can throw out a gravity lapse, get all that damage out while that Diablo is being aggressive. So I don't necessarily think that a Diablo Kael'thas comp works very well, but it can be done. Um, there's a certain level of aggression that's attributed to different drafts of comps. Uh, if you are taking a Diablo, someone who's very engage-oriented, you're just going to have to play even more safely in terms of your positioning or be able to read your team uh, very well because it could be very easily punished, right? Like if you have a Diablo, Diablo has a very Yeah, Diablo, he dives in and he has a hard time getting out. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like... He's not going to be able to peel for you. So just be aware of that if you are uh, drafting. Um, if you pick Kael'thas and one of your allies is hovering at Diablo, uh, unless you've practiced a lot with him, ask him to kindly switch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. or you know what? Like I said, just say, hey, Diablo, like let me use my E to engage. Or, you know, and then follow up with this combo and then who cares? Because there's also some really good things with Diablo, like with the Epoch, if he gets a good Epoch off, that's usually, you know, that's great. And you can follow up on a good Epoch. But I guess that's similar to Mosh Pit, you know, most, mm -hmm. if it, uh, Diablo landing a good Epoch is good for any hero. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, you know, we have, we're just about at the end of the episode, but do you have any final points? Uh, I know there's, there's still tons to discuss about Kael'thas, so maybe we can revisit him at a later date. Uh, but do you have any yeah. final thoughts? Yeah, you know what? My The only final thoughts are just if you have a Kael'thas on your team, early game, play passive. Don't don't force him to, like, obviously as a ranged assassin player, he's going to want, you know, if the team engages, he's got to go in. But just maybe help him farm his stacks to 20. Um, at the same time, you know, uh, if you're going to go Kael'thas, let your team know early in the draft. You know, don't just, like, throw Kael'thas in as the last pick. Let him know and give your team a, bit, a chance to synergize with him well. Uh, Calvin mentioned before, he, you know, you don't really want to YOLO Q Kael'thas. YOLO Q Kael'thas. That's a tongue twister. But, uh, you know, and I guess if you're as playing Kael'thas, um, you know, don't be afraid to just, like I said, don't, don't trade your Q unless you have to. Throw out all the living bombs that you can basically on cooldown. Um, Traded. All the traded living bombs cannot cool down. And uh, don't forget to trade that gravity lapse. Yep. All right. Well, that's all the time we have for this Heroes 101 session. Once again, I'm Commander Chu, and joined with me today is Hyrosplifix. Thank you so much for uh, leading this session. Uh, and also, thank you to you for listening and being part of the Nexus Raiders community. If you did enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming a patron by going to patreon.com slash nexusraiders and setting up a monthly pledge because every dollar truly counts and, you know, just helps keep the community going, uh, helps fund the things that we want to do to grow the community and provide more value to you. Um, huge thank you to all of our patrons for making this series possible. And just a reminder to check your Patreon dashboards for the full video of this session. So uh, that's, that's all we got. Yeah. Good luck, have fun, and Thanks so never much, game guys. alone. <laughs>